Welcome back to episode 62 of the Hockey House Podcast presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Stephen Glick and Colin Fitzgerald, as well as our executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you the latest news from the ACHA and CHF offseason. Uh, we've been on a bit of a hiatus here as a group. I had some technical difficulties last week, almost had some technical difficulties this week, but we've dodged them and we're recording and we're live and the boys are back. Fitzy, let's check in on the Fed real quick. How have the last couple of weeks been for you? They've been a grind. Uh, a lot of three and threes. Got to go down to Carolina. Some, some nice weather there. Columbus came up and played us, so we, we finally got to play some new opponents other than Watertown. It should be interesting. We got playoffs starting on Monday. Third place gets to pick who they want to play. It's looking like we're going to be in fourth place, but Carolina and Port Huron are also going to be in the mix, but Danbury's probably going to take third, so they get to pick. We're thinking they're not going to want to drive all the way to Port Huron. They're not going to want to drive all the way to Carolina, so we're thinking we're going to have to uh, have a pretty tough opponent right off the start. It should be interesting. We we don't really get along when we play them. It's it's pretty chippy, so I'm here for it. It'll it'll be a, a fun series, so I hope they pick us. Now, I was trying to be like the the Fed insider today, and we can get to why I was doing that in a bit, but do playoffs go by points or is it winning percentage? Because not every team has played the same amount of games, correct? Yeah, so they have it go by win percentage. Right, okay. So I was looking at it and I was like, you guys are in sixth, but by points, it looks like you can't really move anywhere, but you're saying it's by win percentage? Yep, by win percentage. So technically, we're fourth with win percentage. I saw the photos from the other day where you guys were wearing like the green alternates. I think Danbury was wearing the orange jersey these little color rush action that looked sick yeah they, they always have some uh some good jerseys for us we got some throwback ones coming up on saturday so they're always doing it up in the fed for those listening i'm making the trip to binghamton on friday I'm pumped to see fitz play uh i mean he's been playing an hour away from me this whole season but just with the schedules it just has not worked out i was impressed by the the cost of tickets in binghamton uh when i was looking at the seating chart I mean, that's pretty good for for a Fed market. Don't they start at like $10 and go up from there? I think it, I want to say it was 12 or 13 to sit behind the net that you guys don't shoot at. I think the last time I went to a Fed game, I want to say it was 9 or $10. So I guess not too far off. But I know a guy on the team, Merv, so I'll get you tickets for free. Oh, okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'll exchange it. I'll exchange it for a, a Hockey House Jog Prospect Showcase jersey. I'll hand deliver it to you because it's been in my room for for months. Wear wear it for warm ups. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a jersey swap. You yeah, know, right. let me come down on the ice and and I'll take your jersey off your back. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Glick, how how are things in Philly? Oh, it's not bad. Every single one of my professors decided that this is the week they're either going to have an exam or have a project due. So I've just been grinding that out. But other than that, I've just been enjoying the beautiful spring weather. It's finally went from 30 degrees to like 80 degrees in one week. It's kind of crazy. All right. So look, I don't really know much about Temple's campus setup. I saw a TikTok the other day and it was like, it was talking about how like this girl decided she was going to Temple and like her parents' reactions were like, well, don't step off campus, like all all those memes. I was wondering, because on like days like today, Every class at Syracuse, the professors are like, let's let's end early. Let's get outside. Let's bring the class outside. Like, is that like something that happens at Temple or is it still like it's just like more of a city school, but you guys do still enjoy your time outside? Basically, like there are a couple of patches of grass that the second like the like winter frost goes away, everyone just flocks to. They bring their towels. They bring blankets. They just kind of sit outside, do homework. So like even though it is a city school, there is kind of that opportunity to just kind of hang out and just like sit outside, do homework by the library. There's always just like there's chairs, tables you're always going to find a place outside if you just want to hang out and chill 
Yeah, I feel like every school has some form of like going outside once the weather gets nice. Fitz, I can't think of it, but it was like peak quarantine. My dad was showing us like old movies from the 80s and 90s in our basement. And there was some movie that takes place at IU. And I can't remember what it was called, but like it's like textbook when I think of like college and it's getting warm and everyone's out on the quad. It's like I want to say it's like a charity bike event and it's like a fraternity at IU. Is that ringing any bells? Yeah, it's called Little 500. Is that what I'm thinking of? I don't know what the movie's called, but that's like the the big thing. Little 5 is just like the a massive event to just get drunk and yeah, fraternities go crazy. Okay, I think I found the name of the movie. It's called Breaking Away. It came out in 1979. Is mm-hmm. that what it, so it's about the little 500? Yeah, it's really cool because everyone said like the campus is completely changed now. Like if you watch that, you'll be like, oh, like there's that building, but it's like not there. Like I should have watched that. It gives me the same vibes as like Animal House. Like when people are like, this is what college is like. Like the scenes of like everyone walking around campus in the in the late 70s, early 80s. Like that's what I think of when it gets nice at, at college. But I can't think of a better college campus. I'm sure when it gets warm out, I'm, I would assume that Athens is pretty similar to this. Herm, how have you been? Any comments on what it's like in college once it finally gets nice out? Outside. The green at Ohio is like is like a big deal, right? Yeah, the campus year round is gorgeous, but fest season once you get out of kind of the the doldrums of winter is a really really big deal. Every single weekend is a new street for you to go and party on, and that's always a great time. Interesting couple of weeks in my world, I guess. I guess I guess I'll go in in chronological order because I didn't get the chance to do it. So transitioning right now in terms of career, no longer with the company that I was at previously working as a BDR and will be looking for some new opportunities in the near future, whether that's continuing to stay in the world of sales or making a pivot back into the sports industry. That's to be determined. But I guess in, in some more fun news, uh, I've, I've kind of been watching on the sidelines quite literally as Murph fits and Glick have been playing hockey and my younger brother's going to, to school and needed something to do to, to stay in shape. And finally, for the first time in like my adult life, got myself a, a full set of equipment and got out on the ice for stick time with Alex. I can confidently say, and I've got witnesses to this, that uh, I got past the puck at the very end of stick time because Alex was out on the ice for his lesson. I scored on Alex on my first shot and lost my shit. Blacked out pretty much after that. And it was a, it was a great time. So for context, uh, Herm and I were going back and forth. I think I, I needed, I can't remember what I needed a photo for. Oh, I was looking for a link to a folder of photos that Herm had taken from his time when he came and visited Syracuse. And uh, he got back to me like pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden I get a FaceTime call and I was like, oh, he's probably wondering what the photos are for. Literally he answers the phone. It's Herm in like a visor on the bench. I'm like, what is going on? And I don't even have time to react. He hangs up on the phone. He goes, I just wanted you to let you know. I wanted you, I wanted to show you this. And then bam, gone. And then I go to Twitter later on in the afternoon and Herm, I kid you not, I knew Herm got a new set of equipment because he looked like the custom player in NHL when you're like going to create a player and he has all the black gear. I was like, oh, we got to Like I wanted to Photoshop a hockey house logo on your jersey. So it looked like you were wearing a hockey house practice jersey. For reference, I didn't hang up on you. My phone died right there. No way. I swear to God, my phone was at 8% when I called you and then it just hangs up and I'm like, Alex, is there anyone in the office that has a charger? He was like, call Murph when you get off the ice. 
Like <laughs> that's a classic, like any FaceTime in a hockey rink or like outside playing pond hockey and you're under 10, like that phone's dying on the FaceTime call. I, I, I've been there before. As I mentioned, it's, it's been great having the, all the guys back together. Like I mentioned, pretty psyched to go to Binghamton on Friday. Uh, we've got our team banquet this weekend, which is going to be fun. Kind of officially wrapping up the season. It's been a, a busy time of year for me. I had a huge portfolio review the other day. Hashtag advertising nerd. Um, I've been doing a lot of ad campaigns and I had to present them in front of some ad agencies, which was really cool the other day, but that was taking up a majority of my time. Now I'm trying to like reload from that after last week, but it, it sneaks up on you. Like we're in the last month of, you know, living uh, on campus. Like we just paid our rent and getting ready to uh, wrap up the school year in less than 30 days here. So it's, it's exciting times. And I, I like mentioning the part of, of school when it gets sunny out. Cause I think it's like a, we actually talked about one of my classes to how much harder it is because the schoolwork gets harder, but you almost don't see the schoolwork getting harder because it's getting so nice out and like it's way more fun to be a college student and then of course one of my teachers gave like the reminder about like how many classes you can skip she's like i know it's getting sunny out and it's really easy to skip classes now uh but please don't no it's good times we do have some breaking news i guess we could start there uh we got a dm last week that drury university is launching seven new club sports programs including lacrosse rugby and ice hockey for those of you who don't know drury university is Division II school in Springfield, Missouri. One of their players sent us a DM and, and said, you know, I, I haven't really seen any coverage on this. And to be honest, I saw their Instagram page and I thought maybe they were going NCAA based on, you know, what it looked like in the school being Division II and everything. On the website, it's labeled as a non-NCAA sport, which I thought was pretty cool. The school doesn't really have club sports. They have varsity sports and they have non-NCAA, which I think right off the jump, I think that's a really cool way to brand it. The press release read, took some quotes from it, it says, all Seven of the new club sports programs are supported by the Drury Athletics Department. Each team will have a full-time coach, an operating budget, and scholarships where rules allow. Coaches will begin recruiting immediately upon hire, and we will spend the next year building their programs ahead of competition in the fall of 2022. The programs will use existing Drury and Springfield community facilities. So the hockey team is going to play at the Jordan Valley Ice Park. It's three minutes from campus, and it's also where Missouri State plays their home games. So uh, they'll be sharing it with another fellow ACHA team. According to their Instagram page, it looks like they have six commitments so far. I went and they have a roster. That roster on their website has 13 players on their online roster, so I'm not really sure if those are just filler for the website or if they've got guys signed already. But another cool thing is this team hasn't even played a game yet, and they have apparel in the bookstore. Official apparel in the bookstore, which you love to see. So another uh, box checked for Drury. I did some digging, but I saw a commitment from the NA3, and it says that they are planning to play ACHA Division 1. So that is is interesting it looks like d1 will be adding another team i haven't seen the official announcement from the acha yet you know because we saw that tcnj was moving up purdue northwest oregon and san diego state those are the four teams moving up but maybe this is the last minute addition uh so we'll have to keep an eye out for that but i mean i think this is awesome this looks like a team that's kind of taking the i want to call it the you marry model like a division two school that is looking to add hockey but there's no d2 hockey so they're going to play in the acha and i think it's a, a great opportunity for guys playing college hockey like i said we always talk about that's 30 more roster spots so that's really cool to see yeah it's great to see that the school's already gone behind with the bookstore and you know saying that they're gonna be you know supported by the jury athletic department really cool to see i was a little skeptical at first just because like I don't know. I mean, I feel like you really only know the D2 schools like around you. Like I know I could probably name 15 D2 schools in New England. Other than that, I don't really know too many D2 schools. So, I mean, Drury University, it looks like they're they're doing it right and 
as we mentioned, checking all the boxes, non-NCAA, funded, full-time coach, scholarships, shirts in the bookstore. Like that's that sounds awesome. And, and they're going to share it with a, a very well-known ACHA team in Missouri State. So that should make for a pretty good rivalry uh, right off the jump. Speaking of rivalries, a Syracuse rivalry is going to be you know renewed in the upcoming year. As, as Herm mentioned on last episode, Niagara is set to join the Eastern States Collegiate Hockey League. They have won the national tournament in 2022, 2020, 2017, 2015, and 2014. So really cool to, at least for me, schedule purposes, that's a team that's really close by that we play anyways, joining our conference. So we're excited. Obviously, head coach Tom Meradian is a, is a big fan of the show and has supported us since day one. So love seeing that. I don't know. I, I think we all know how the ACHA works. The better teams you play, the higher your ranking is going to be. And, and that looks like the case with Niagara. They're going to join a conference that, you know, Stony Brook is obviously always ranked. URI, Delaware, NYU, those teams are always hovering around 20-25. So all in all, I think this is pretty good for the conference. And um, I'm sure it's pretty exciting to be a player at Niagara. Moving on, stick taps for this week. You know, it, it always pains us when something like this happens anytime a former player passes away. But former Grand Canyon University player Brendan Basset passed away on Friday in the line of duty as an EMT. A semi-truck hit the ambulance he was driving and is being remembered as a dedicated team player. 24-year-old on GCU's ACHA team for the 2018-19 season. Speaking with his former coach, Danny Roy, he said, although his stint with the team was short, his impact on our team's success during that time was very noticeable. Brendan was one of the hardest working players. He played fearlessly every shift. It was an amazing teammate. And what line of work would you want somebody with that personality and, and that determination than being an EMT and saving people's lives? And can't even bring up the words to think of a, about a guy saving other people's lives and getting injured in the line of duty. So we wanted to send our thoughts and prayers to the Basay family, the GCU hockey community, you know, everyone who knew Brendan because it sounds like he was a tremendous teammate. Gave a plug for it last week, but wanted to do it once again just because of the responses it got. All the guys in the New England area, be sure to check out the Frozen Jump college hockey summer league it's brought to you by limitless hockey and the hockey gear pro shop it's college hockey league for acha and ncaa caliber players on thursday nights beginning on june 23rd and running until august 11th located in canton mass at the canton ice house once again it's open to all college aged players uh, we got a handful of schools going curry college stonehill syracuse providence acha be sure to check it out and if you have any questions feel free to send an instagram message to at limitless hockey LLC, or go to the website limitlesshockey.net or cantonicehouse.com. And if you want to sign up, feel free to email gchamberlain at cantonicehouse.com with your information. Got some pretty good guests on this week. The boys from Columbia Hockey are going to join the show. Aria Sofer and Ben Vermet. Uh, we spoke to them a, a couple weeks ago and they recapped Columbia's kind of Cinderella run to their first conference championship in over 100 years. Uh, that interview is coming up next on the Hockey House Pod. We're pleased to be joined by two members of Columbia University's hockey team, a senior from Beverly, Massachusetts, R.A. Sofer, and a senior from St. Agapit, Quebec, number 20, Ben Vermet. Boys, welcome to the Hockey House. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, we're psyched to have you guys on. This is one we want to do for a while. I know you guys reached out. We're making some waves on social media after the big W at the end of the year. I know my first introduction to Columbia hockey was when the white blue jerseys came out. I think that was like my like, oh shit, like these boys are legit. Like those are some clean looking jerseys. Oh yeah, you like them, eh? Oh yeah. 
That's right. Yeah. There was that comp. We uh, passed a couple rounds, but then we got, forget who beat us, but yeah. Yeah. Jersey Madness was big last year during COVID when, when I had nothing to do in my dorm. How's the off season been for you boys? Honestly, like it's been so quiet. Like after that, it's just like the tsunami has passed and we're all back grinding into our work and uh, haven't seen like many of the boys since. So we're just trying to gather the boys back around. Like I was starting to miss hockey again. So I just want to get down there to Chelsea Piers to play again. It's been good. We wish we were in St. Louis a couple weeks ago, but uh, uh, you know, the ACHA rules of uh, nationals and all that are quite frankly, they're quite rigged. So so we didn't get to go, although we did beat uh, Sacred Heart like 9-3. They did go, so kind of bummed about that. But but no, it's been good. Tough scene. Yeah, this is a uh, major crunch time for Columbia students. So I think that once hockey was over, everyone sort of just went back into hermit mode and kept their heads down. I mean, I've played against NYU for the past, well, I guess, two seasons because one got canceled but hearing the stories from those guys about what it costs to just play hockey in the city i can only imagine what you guys go through but we're dying to hear more of, about it ice in the city is 900 dollars a slot for just a practice practice yeah. slot wednesday night not even in the city we just go up to mount vernon like yeah on shit ice yeah shit ice upstate like great crew like the the, the crew there at the ice such are great like no oh, yeah. disrespect at all but the ice is is quite frankly terrible and it's so expensive and it's not even in the city against 20 minutes up up there so it's not ideal for sure when i play in quebec it's like you know a hundred dollars for an hour and a half and if i want to rent the ice for myself i can if i wanted to you know but we don't need you know we don't need we are we're the ragtag team of of New York City and where the you know we made it work with what we had so it only goes to show like if we had real you know funding real facilities and everything like what we could really do and so that's sort of the goal end game yeah absolutely the Ivy like Columbia is the one of the only Ivies with Penn actually that to not have an ice, like not have a varsity team also. So like uh, for the past 20 years or actually in the past 10 years, club hockey program what we're playing currently is like, is more like as of a, a step towards having a varsity team. So this win has been huge for us and also huge for the, the greater uh, Columbia hockey program to eventually become a varsity team. There's talks going on in the Columbia administration to, you know, get a rink in Manhattan, like around the, the Manhattanville area. And, uh, once that is done in like say 10 years then we can have a varsity team and the club team will be able to practice there it's going to be actually free because it's going to be our own ring like we won't need to limit ourselves to one practice a week like we do now because the cost is just way too high i know like a lot of people listening have maybe even seen the championship but that was the mchc championship where you guys took down sacred heart and and we'll get to that too but i want to go back rewind a little bit tell me about how you guys ended up at columbia Ben, I'll throw it over to you first. Like, how was your experience growing up playing hockey in Quebec? How did you find out about Columbia, and when did you decide to go? Yeah, so I mean, growing up hockey, like uh, I was born in a big hockey family. Like, got a couple family members who played professional hockey, so I was always growing up playing hockey. My dream was of obviously like any, any kid, you know, to to grow up and play in the, in the show, but that didn't happen. So I so I started uh, banking more on my uh, academic abilities in some sense, and then I decided to apply to. A couple of schools in the U.S. got into Colombia, and I thought, I mean, New York City. I'm from Saint Agape again, which is like a very small town in rural Quebec. So as soon as I had the opportunity to come to New York and uh, study what I liked, I said yes. I said please and thank you, and yes. So I took it. Awesome. And Aria, what about you? Growing up in Massachusetts, I'm assuming it was pretty similar to you. Like, probably wanted to grow up playing for the Bruins, and. All of a sudden, you're playing <laughs> hockey at Columbia. My path to Columbia hockey was a bit more unorthodox. I played hockey 
all my life. I was always a locker room guy. Let's just say that, you know, I, I played in, you know, all through high school and, um, but I, I was, a a musician. I still am a musician. I actually ended up transferring to Columbia. I went to uh, Manhattan School of Music, which is affiliated with Columbia. So that enabled me to join the team before I actually went to Columbia. It was actually being on the team and being with the guys that sort of kicked the idea um, into drive of, of going to Columbia. So I, I applied and I got in and then, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, honestly, coming here, I didn't even know they had a hockey team. So like I was solely yeah. focused on like academics. I was like, all right, so that's going to be it. And then I found out through one of my Canadian friends, oh, there's a hockey team because he was playing on it. He was like the president. And all. I signed up, went to a couple practices, and then I was like, all right, I'm sold. Let's play hockey again. So so that was great. Honestly, like playing hockey, yes, it's a lot of time, but it's in the end, you end up being more productive because like Friday nights and Saturday nights, you don't go out, you know, you don't you do not do anything. You play hockey and like weekdays, you grind. And then again, it's only one practice a week and it's just a good, uh, it's a good break, you know, studying break in some sense. The group of guys that you meet on the hockey team is just makes everything easier at Columbia. Most of my friends I met on the hockey team and uh, just a great networking experience. I think I speak for, for Ben and for most of the guys when I say this, that like what makes Columbia so different is that it doesn't feel like you're a hundred percent on the team just to play hockey. Like you're there to be with the guys and you're there to have a good time. And you're also there to be a student. You strike the right balance. Like you never feel like you have to give up a part of who you are. Like we have so many different guys, different backgrounds, and it's never like, you know, you're just here to play. And if you're good, you'll play. If you're bad, you won't. Like it's the most collaborative environment that I've been in on a hockey team ever sounds like a melting pot of personalities in the columbia hockey locker for sure oh yeah if you look at the columbia student population like i think 30 percent of students are international so we have a lot of international people on the team no one was recruited because of their hockey abilities so it's just like everyone there is there for academics first and so that creates a group of super smart and driven young people and also some older people because we have a lot of graduate students but we used to joke around like we have the oldest team in the uh in the mcha or the acha probably like average age of the team was like 27 or 28 i don't know we have the the largest number number of military veterans on any hockey team in the country really and that's a fact that we're, we're very proud of that yeah yeah honestly like six of them ex-army rangers yeah. cots later uh and then we have charlie wallers we have we have a bunch of ex-military keith carpenter used to play on the team chris mandel yeah that's funny because when uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with it, but when you Mary won the D two national championship, they're getting a lot of chirps in our comments about like how they had the highest average age because they had so many guys age out of juniors, and then they got guys staying back for a fifth year of eligibility because of COVID. And I was joking around the comments saying like, no, like we should actually hand out a trophy to the 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 team in the ACHA with the highest average age. <laughs> Honestly, Herm, if you're listening, Herm, you got to compute that. You got to do it, and we're going to get another trophy. Ben, thank you for the perfect segue. I heard this while editing and took it as a solid challenge to actually try and find out the information. So after learning some new functions in Google Sheets to try and pull this off, uh, I was able to scrape the average age from all 450-plus ACHA teams from Elite Prospects. The problem that I realized after the fact was that a ton of players don't have their birth years updated in the system, leading to incorrect and blank information. With that said, I can't crown a true geriatric team champion. Now, back to the interview. We've got like several guys who are married and have been for like one one guy's been married for 10 years, I think. That's uh TJ. TJ. Yeah. yeah, like another military vet. We had, yeah, Cass, we had a guy play like, on the team cast like last year. A guy was 45 years old. He's a beauty. Now he's like the league uh he he works for the league. That's how old he is, you know. He's a great guy. 
young spirit for yeah. sure. He goes out with the boys on weekends after games yeah. and stuff. So great guy. Don't tell his wife though. That, <laughs> that, that's nuts. Let's dive in here. Your introduction to Columbia hockey, RA, like what is your welcome to the ACHA moment? Whew. I'd say, honestly, like first game, I remember um, we drove like five hours to Massachusetts. We left at like noon, got there around five for a you know, 7 p.m. game. And then we drove back that night after the game. So we got back at like 6 a.m. On the way back, we dropped a guy off at Yale to go to a party at his buddy's place. So that was sort of, I'd say that was my welcome to the ACHM. Like, oh, this is different for sure. <laughs> Getting back at 6 a.m. is brutal. The latest I've ever been back is two in the morning from a trip is driving back that night. But that is brutal. That's like our what time we get back from practice. <laughs> Honestly, average game start time is 10, 15 p.m. My, like, welcome to the ACHA moment. I had no clue what the league was at first. First game I ever played. I was 18. I was a freshman. Played Fordham in the right here in Mount Vernon, like 30 minutes away. And then I was kind of not sure what kind of league that was. And then there's a little scrum behind the net going on. <laughs> And in Quebec, you know, the, the leagues, you know, it's it's not rough. Like, it's not a fighting league. It's just, like, people let you do what you do. So, guys starts pushing me a bit. <laughs> just grabbed his helmet right off his head, threw the helmet over the over the boards. The ref grabs me and is like, are you fucking stupid? I'm like, I'm not smart. Like, I don't know what's going on here. And he threw me out of the game. Like, I got tossed. First game after, like, three shifts. And I was like, all right, you can't do that here. So, ACHA is a different different beast for sure who is that against again fordham that's great welcome to the acha oh yeah, yeah got guys were pumped after i was like what did i get tossed for i mean i'm not sure many leagues where you're allowed to to chuck somebody's helmet off the ice yeah but it kind of didn't all, all the way get through i think it did uh... <laughs> it was a, i heard it cleared the glass <laughs> <laughs> Where do we start with like the Columbia hockey story? Because it sounds like this is a program that has been around for over a hundred years. Do one of you guys kind of want to touch on like the fact that this team has been around for so long? Uh, Astro, you want to talk about the history a bit and then uh, I'll talk about like the last five years or so. I mean, we need Bruce on here. If you want to talk about the history and our co every detail about Cooch up till uh, probably 1865. Cooch, by the way, is the acronym Columbia University Club. Uh -huh. So I was I was doing a little research earlier today. I saw it a couple times and I, I didn't put that together, but that, that makes sense now. I'm going to just lay out a, a very broad statement that I'll you'll see will define itself. I'd say like 90% of the team atmosphere is based around just nonsense. It doesn't make sense right now, but as we go on, it'll make more and more sense. Yeah, you're going to hear some inside jokes a lot. Yeah, we call it cooch hockey, which is completely redundant, right? Columbia University Club Hockey, hockey. And it's stupid. It's just one of the many things that we find hysterical. Yeah. All right, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Team goes back a while, never won, never made the playoffs, the MCHE playoff. Oh, yes, we did, but we never won a game in the playoffs uh, ever since I've been here. And uh, as far as I know, the previous president and captain, Andy Dunn, who's from Calgary, when I came here, he was like on his second year. And he was telling me that from his knowledge in the past five or six years, they've had, it wasn't rare that they'd get a winless year, you know? It wasn't very popular on campus. Like, I, 
coming here, I didn't even know we had a hockey team. Presumably, the team wasn't very good. Just like a couple guys from here and there just trying to play hockey, just have fun. But then when it started turning around was, uh, I'd say, my second year with Andy Dunn as president. We started winning more. Because Andy was a, well, it's still, like, he was a fantastic player. He was, like, a ECHA uh, national team, first or second national team, I can't remember, his last year. So just the... F- very fact of winning amplifies motivation. It drags other people in. So other good players started hearing about us. Uh, we got increasingly better over time because better players came, started winning more. It's like a like a positive feedback loop of winning more, more people come in and blah, blah, blah. So it, it all culminated uh, this year, I would say. Although last year our season was canceled, we probably uh, would have been as good as we were this year. Two years ago before COVID, we were like, all right, this is our year again. But then we choked in the playoffs. But then we just had a great season two, two years ago. But we just couldn't uh, finish it off in the playoffs. But this year, everything that we've been building over the past 10 years, the recurring practices, Coach Bruce Baker's efforts of you know recruiting people and uh, keeping sh- to show up and all that really culminated in, in our MCHE win this season. And now I think that next year we're even going to be better because now more people knows about the team. Uh, we have some kids who are applying to Columbia who are just writing us like emails and like, oh, I want to join the team. Can I get a letter for the admissions for if I, you know, or a letter of recommendation or whatever so they can have a better chance of coming in? It's just good for the program. And again, eventually, mark my words, Columbia will have its varsity team and the new rink in Manhattanville. To talk about the turning point specifically, Columbia hockey had so many losses, like it's unbearable, right? They just lost and lost and lost. Andy Dunn comes on. He's faced with what we call the Cooch 22. In order to win games, you have to get guys to show up. You can't go to a game with, you know, 10 guys. You're just going to get rinsed every single game and that's what happened in order to get guys to show up you need to be winning games because guys don't want to show up and lose so what do you do you make guys want to show up for a different reason and that's what andy dunn did andy created this environment beyond hockey it was like okay we're gonna do something crazy we're gonna make every guy want to come because they're having a good time which doesn't sound crazy but it strays you know it goes against status quo so i'll give you a perfect example right? And this speaks to the nonsensical thing. So we had this guy, Dennis Franklin, he played at Taft and you know how, you know, the prestige of that program. And he was like one of the top players on that team. Andy reaches out to him, guys on the fence about coming, you know, he knows the the record of the team. He seems sort of, you know, Andy eventually convinces Dennis to come on, comes first game. What does he do? Bang, seven points, first game, right? So what do we do? We hire our reporters. Our reporters are Andy's buddies from juniors. And the reporters write just a scathing article, shredding Denny. I think the headline was, is it time to say goodbye to Dennis Frank? And his disappointing Columbia hockey debut. And Dennis is like, holy shit, these guys are fucking funny. I'm having a time. Like, so, and then he starts coming more. We got a guy like Denny playing. We're winning more games. Other guys see we're winning. And it's, it's just this sort of domino effect because like I said, it was the Cooch 22. If no one's going to show up, then you have to make guys show up for something else. So I say that Andy Dunn was really the turning point is, is how I'd sum it up. That's why uh, so many people, we have a Columbia uh, hockey alumni group on LinkedIn 
like people who played on the team like the 80s, 90s, and then the past 40 years. And they were all so surprised when we started winning the season, when we beat Fordham the season, because we've been playing Fordham for like the past 20 years. Probably did not even beat them once. We're losing like 10 to 3, whatnot. So this year we finally beat them probably for the first time in our history, or Bruce can correct me on that if he's listening. But they were all so amazed and surprised that we were winning at all and so happy for us. Then when we won the playoffs, they were like, oh, obviously they, they, they couldn't believe it. But that just shows also, like, even though the previous years we were not winning, it speaks to the networking potential of Columbia hockey. Every every guy on the team right now, will, you know, will, will keep in touch, you know, for the rest of our lives. It's all great resources to have. And we always will always have each other's back. So it's just great. Even though we didn't win in the past again, like... It, it didn't matter, but now it's even better because because we're just gaining in in amplitude. All right, so tell me about like practice on on a weekly basis. Like, how does that work? Are you guys hopping in vans together? What night a week are we practicing? Like, what's the the lead up to to game week look like at at Columbia? Probably like the the worst night of the week for Columbia students. It's a Tuesday night. It's ten fifteen to eleven thirty, and we take vans, and they are not nice vans. They're beat up. Yeah, like old Chevy, like uh, Express, you know, t- two thousand and eight, all beat up. The door won't close. You have to tape the door, or you know, you have to you know fucking hold the door as you're <laughs> as yeah. you're driving up. So we'll do that one practice in the first semester. We're we're at um, the Ice Hutch, which is about you know thirty minutes away. Um, and then second semester we play at uh, Riverbank, which is an outdoor rink about. I don't know, 10 minutes from campus. So that's uh, a lot better. And then that's, I think it's a couple hours earlier. It's like 8.30 to 10.15. Yeah, it's on Wednesdays, right before senior night at Amity Hall. So usually we get back on time. We get back at 10, shower, quick shower, even though sometimes we don't even shower. Show up as a team uh, to senior night, stinking as hell. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You win the boys. So it's, it's still a good time. Although <laughs> the women are not so attracted <laughs> to us. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I would still find our way around, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we do all right. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about the MCHC? Like, who are we playing? What are some of the, the rivalries in that? Like, the matchups that you guys really look forward to and the teams that you hate to play against? Uh, I hate to play against, I'd say. Like, rivalries? Stack, probably. Like, Suffolk, too. Suffolk's so chirpy in there. Fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want that in the podcast. <laughs> Suffolk's just chirpy like they're chirping all the time they're not good not talented they're just there to slash other people and you know not play hockey so they beat us last year in the playoffs it was we finally made the playoffs and they beat us it was really 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 hard and we just could not score i think the score was four to one or four nothing even yeah we were dominating the whole game it's just that their goalie sean riley just stopped us the whole game and then this year i get an email over the summer it's sean riley the suffolk goalie he's like hey I'm coming to Columbia. Guy's six foot six, weighs about, you know, I don't know, 150 pounds. Super skinny, typical goalie. He probably can do the split and like raise his leg. Like he's a meditation yoga guy. So he's probably like, he's super flexible, super athletic, great guy. Like one of the nicest guys on the team. When we heard he was coming to Columbia, we were pumped because he was by far the best goalie in the in the league, uh, you know, two years ago before COVID. So as soon as, as we locked that in, we were like, all right, this, this year is going to be legit. We kind of knew that we had a real shot at the title after Sean signed on. Like, and this yeah. was like, we're talking July, 2021. 
Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, other than Suffolk, though, Fordham is a big rival, although they're not in the MCHC anymore. They they went CHF. So, you know, all that, uh, that like, fleeing ACHE scandal, all the teams are fleeing for the ACHF to the CHF. Fordham was uh, is one of them. Uh, but we still play them in exhibitions game and stuff. It's such a big uh, rivalry. Uh, Stack is a big rival, for sure. St. Thomas Aquinas College. We play every year a winter classic against them at Riverbank, the outdoor ring that we practice at. And they have that captain. Sean Benson, big guy at, the, at defense. He's always like, he's a good player, but he's lazy, doesn't skate, and he's always faking on the ice. Like, like, come on, buddy. Like, <laughs> big diver. Oh, big diver. Like one of the, well, actually the biggest diver I've ever played against. So, so it's always fun to play or like entertaining to play against those guys. Just drama queen over there. So Farmingdale, we only played them once this year, but then they were led Cheaters. the league in penalties. Yeah, they cheated. Very big scandal. <laughs> I hope the MCHE president listens to this. What was the scandal? Fill us in. Oh, so this was like a fucking thorn in my side the whole second semester. Farmingdale, they couldn't make a game, right, Astro? They canceled the game against us. So obviously it's a forfeit if you look at the rules. They canceled like, you know, two weeks before the game or whatever. And then uh, we couldn't reschedule because our schedule was packed. It was like second semester. And then they were like, all right, you can have the win. You can have the forfeit, whatever. And then their D2 program started to lose and got eliminated. A lot of D2 guys went on to play with their D3 team, which is illegal in the CHF. Before this, they were shit. Yeah. And then they start winning. And then they start winning and they're like on the verge of a playoff spot if they get that win against us for the game they canceled. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, we need to play you. Yeah. And then they're like, we need to play you. We need to play you. Like granted, there's like one week left in the in the regular season. So we obviously don't have time to play. And one night there's like, oh, can you play tomorrow? Like on a one day notice. I'm like, no, we can't play tomorrow. Like on a one day notice, we have playoffs three days from now practice two days from now we can't play you like in a one day notice and then the mche president andrew mola is like oh you guys gotta play them or else you'll have the forfeit they'll make the playoffs they would have been a big threat in playoffs because obviously half their team now are illegally d2 players so yeah eventually it, it got sorted out because if you actually read the manual read the books read the rules it's not legal for them to have d2 players and just cancel a game two weeks in advance and then ask for a rematch uh, one day in advance so i emailed Mola of this and Mola said well this one didn't make it to my desk and I said well just read it it's right there and you know eventually they voted on it and but it was a big mess a big back and forth yeah I'm pretty sure they'll they'll still have that one uh in their head next year when they play us so uh Oh, yeah. Should be a good rivalry next year for sure. Walk us through now. Like they decide that, you know, it, it's a forfeit for Farmingdale and you guys go to the playoffs. Like walk us through the playoffs. Like how electric was that? It was it was insane. First playoff game, Stevens, we won easily. Once we won the first game, it was sort of like uh, no question about it. We were going to win. Yeah. So the format of the MCHE playoffs, you play the semifinal on the Saturday and then the Sunday is the final. So we played like at 2 p.m. on Saturday versus Stevens. Everyone was locked in, ready to go. Uh, a record versus Stevens that, uh, that this year was 1-1. But the loss was like we should have won that game. We lost in overtime and we were going in, in the third with like a 5-2 lead. So just a bad game for us. The final with Sacred Heart, our record with them was 0-2. And they were 15-0 and the entire 
season undefeated. So they went in thinking like it was easy. Like we've beat these guys twice. You know, we haven't lost a game. We're going to win the title. We didn't just win. We smoked them. We had one guy, Pat Magui, got five <laughs> goals. We won nine to three against an undefeated team. It was insane. But also I think what made the big difference of our dominance that weekend was that we had a full squad because we kept emphasizing over the season, like playoffs, we need everyone there. And the thing with Columbia hockey, a lot of people have other things to do. So a lot of the times we'll always be missing, you know, four or five players every like regular season game. And more often than not, that's hurting us because we're short on D or short on forwards. And then a lot of good guys are missing. So, so that's why, you know, we didn't win all of our games that's this season. Had we had a full crew the whole season, I don't want to speak about things that didn't happen, but I'm pretty sure we could have easily been undefeated. But then again, we showed our dominance with the full squad. I would not disagree with that. It showed our dominance in the playoffs. Like we had a full squad, even though we had some good players that were injured and just couldn't make it. Like Reese, who's a great player, uh, was injured. So And Chuck Graham, that was a big loss too. Two great injured players and still we, we wiped the floor. Final buzzer goes off. What's the celebration like first off in the locker room and then uh, you know, once you guys left the rink? Oh, you're definitely going to have to cut a lot of that stuff out. <laughs> uh, we, we started drinking the second we got into the locker room. Drinking water. Drinking water. Name every drink you can think of in the MCHC Cup. Goalie Sean Riley, you know, the 6'6 guy from Suffolk. Uh, sober for five years. Wins the game. Shows up in the in the locker room. Chugs the fucking beer out of the cup. Just sober, meaning like he decided to focus on school. He wasn't like, he didn't have a problem with it or anything. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it felt like that was important to say. You know, Gatorade drop on the on Bruce, the coach. Party for like I'd say like an hour and a half in the locker room. Music on, just drinking before we got kicked out of the locker room because we're not in the show. We actually have uh, there's actually some other things going on after the rink. Yeah, there was a beer league game after I think. <laughs> Took the van straight from Dix Hills back to Manhattan, like an hour drive, buzzing on the way back. And then we just all ended up going downtown. We uh, we had a good time. We earned it. We, we earned it. It was Sunday night. Next day was President's Day. So like a lot of folks had work off, but Columbia still had classes. So, so a lot of us just didn't go to class on Monday. Yeah, that's a tough turnaround right there. Oh yeah, no, I'm not a chance. I don't think anyone did. Now that we looked back at the season, I had, I had a couple of other notes. I know Andy Dunn was a guy you mentioned earlier. I don't know if you want to go back and, and talk about what he did because I'm sure he was pretty pumped seeing you guys bring home a championship this year. Oh, yeah. He was watching in his Columbia jersey. This win for him was like all, it was like his. this team was his baby. We won because of him and for him. It meant so much to us to win this for him. I think that watching the, the product of all his hard work and all his strategy you know, finally come to fruition. It's hard to describe myself. That win goes to him, Coach Bruce, obviously all of us of the team this year, past years. And the alumni, the alumni are huge for us. Like That didn't win a single game. I was literally getting messages from guys saying that they didn't think they would live Be long enough. Like, and they meant it. And now I get like emails, random emails from like alumni for like 45, 50 years old. We're now working in the regular world. They want like our baby blue jerseys. I, how can I get a custom baby blue? Like I heard you guys won and all that. I saw your new jerseys. They're so sick. We've been selling a lot of jerseys. Columbia hockey is on the rise. We're selling a lot, making a lot of lot of money i i got one message i'm trying to find it i don't know if i'll be able to but it, it was something like this year's team made all the pain of so many losses 
worth it. And that one really meant a lot. That was Gary Pickles, class of like, I don't know, 80 something. Yeah, he's like a professor at Oxford now. But yeah, I think for Andy, this when he came in to the program, he was presented with what seemed like an impossible task, like get Columbia to have a winning hockey team and have a, a winning hockey team where people are enjoying being there. He did both. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that he made the impossible reality, you know, along with the hard work of people before and after. But I, I don't think the, his role can be under can be overstated. Yeah, I remember uh, reading his piece that he had on, on your website when it was his turn to graduate. It was pretty cool seeing the reactions across social media when you guys brought home the title. We've covered a lot so far. I want to make sure that you guys get your chance to share any stories that we haven't touched on already. Is there anything that, that we've missed so far in the Columbia hockey story? What do you think, Castro? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm just... Well, I mean, it's funny that you bring up that, that article because that is probably the only non-satirical article on our website. Have you read any of the others? Yeah, so I read the the championship recap. I read that one as well. It's filled with inside jokes, though. You probably... All of that is false. Like, all of it is false. And uh, the other one I read was the one about uh, New York City's hockey team. Versus NYU. Yeah, that was a direct trip to NYU. Yeah. So our our reporters are Mark Russell and, and Zach Marcel. They have a keen eye for finding humor in things that many may not. Um, and they turned something pretty mundane into something hysterical. Yeah. You know, they did, uh, there's a really funny one about when our season was canceled because of COVID, you know, midway, they wrote an article about how each of the team members physically got back home, you know, left campus and went back home. And all of it's just ridiculous. Like, I think mine is that I took a train back to Boston and that I, I yelled, that's Cooch Hockey, baby, on the train in front of everyone and everybody started cheering. Ben's was uh, like he biked home to Quebec. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, just, just nonsense. And, you know, taking something like that, like COVID, which was such a shitty experience for everyone, but especially for athletes, you know, getting their season. I mean, Andy missed his his senior year of hockey because of COVID. So they, they were good at, at making light out of situations like that and making light out of losses, making light out of everything pretty much. So and Ben, I know you were saying it earlier, but like how you wouldn't be surprised if there's a rink in uh, Manhattanville in, in 10 years. Like I'll leave you guys with this. I think it's one of my favorite questions to wrap things up with, but to anyone listening, like what's your, what's your pitch to Cooch hockey? So honestly, for me, it's the best thing that's happened to me at Columbia. It's keeping me sane amidst this whole academic stuff that I have to do. And it's a great balance between social life, staying active, just being productive and having fun. Again, that's what I'm focused on now. So this year we won the title. That was all fun. It was, you know, great. But now I'm looking out for, you know, next year's because I'm a senior. I'm graduating. I'm, I'm leaving. Like I, I'm no longer going to be president. So I think that my role now as president is keep it rolling. So uh, if any of you guys are listening out there and they're applying to Columbia or already got into Columbia, then join. I might be coaching next year, you know, assistant coach. I'm still going to be in the city. So uh, roll on cooch train, baby. Love that. And then Aria, like, what would you say to kind of wrap things up here in terms of looking back on Columbia hockey? Honestly, join for the people. I met my lifelong best friends on this team. I had the best time playing. We have literally a role for everybody. No matter who you are, how good you are, what you want to do, we have a spot for you. There's not a single person we won't have. That's really like you will fit in on any role with us. Like you will you will be your best person on our team. 
thank you for for coming on it was a pleasure to to meet you both and talk to you and great to hear your stories from not only this past season but your your careers at columbia and we wish you guys nothing but the best in the future and once again wanted to wish you congratulations on your mchg title this season thank you so much man this was a pleasure thanks for having us once again, thank you to Aria and Ben for joining us this week. That interview was presented by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. The best part, your first year is free. Be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at OptimexSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod i cannot emphasize this enough use this referral link we i know we brought it up earlier but niagara joining a new conference next season they're also hopping on the optimex train i think they signed up like two weeks ago and they already got the website run up and running they've got articles published it looks great you would never know that the website is only two weeks old and that's all thanks to optimex sports be sure to check them out if you're interested in learning more about it like i said go to optimexsports.com and as always be sure to use us as a referral when you're getting your new website we love seeing teams hop on that train and and like I've I've mentioned the past couple episodes now is the time to be thinking about your website so shout out to the boys at Niagara for hopping on that also I wanted to give a shout out to Shea Spanier the, the Kent State goalie I was watching his YouTube vlogs the other day um, he was just in Israel playing hockey and making content which was cool to see um, he's also giving kind of behind the scenes look at, at the off season skates for Kent State but he deserves a shout out longtime listener of the show so always love seeing that the off season is interesting like I know Fitz you're you're still like grinding right now it feels like you've probably been playing hockey for months straight at this point but I'm sure you wouldn't have it have it any other way after not playing last season but it's crazy like when I think back to like February like late February when the season was coming down to an end and, and we were out of a playoff spot and you could kind of see the the season come to an end like the last two weekends it was like wow like this feels like it's been going on forever and then the other day I was getting out of class and the sun was out and it was like oh like we have a skill session today like I cannot wait to go to the rink today like just a little time off from the rink and you just desperately miss it and, I, and that made me think of that too because in, in Shay's vlog they were doing the offseason skates at Kent State but nothing better than as I mentioned before I'm, I'm not going to stop talking about it because I think it's the best time of year when the sun comes out on a college campus but nothing better than doing offseason activities with the boys I know we got our date night formal coming up for Syracuse hockey which is always going to be great we're teaming up with the women's hockey team for a little date night here at Harry's Bar and Grill and on Marshall Street in Syracuse so that should be a fun night I think we're going to go see Fitz's brother play hopefully fingers crossed Next week, the the Worcester Red Sox come to town and it's college night at the ballpark. I think it's like dollar dogs, $2 beers, and there's like $5 tickets for college students. So we'll, we'll get the student section rowdy and, and maybe heckling heckling fits a little bit uh, um, from the 200 level, but got us thinking like, what are some of the best off season activities? And if it weren't for hockey, what would we be doing? So we'll start with Glick. Glick, if you weren't a college hockey player, what sport would you be playing right now? The answer that comes to mind for me is soccer. I mean, growing up, I knew that if I didn't really get into hockey, um, so before hockey, I did swimming, but I really wanted to get into team sports because I was just tired of just like just competing against like by myself. So I got into hockey and I, I mean, I loved it. I can't imagine doing anything else, but I know for a fact that if I never got into hockey, I would have started to play soccer. So I probably would have played soccer at Temple, probably other club team, but I did play soccer my freshman year for intramural. My uh, two freshman roommates, they played soccer growing up and they needed a goalie for their indoor intramural soccer team so of course they asked me because they knew i was a goalie hockey team and i said sure why not i've always wanted to try it out my career lasted two full games i got one shutout and then covid ruined my soccer career so who knows what could have happened if that if that season kept on going well you got a guy on our team uh sam hutchinson who loves 
intramural sports. I think he does. He does. Well, they all do intramural basketball. That's why it's the best time to record right now because all my roommates are playing intramural basketball. That same team that I coached a couple weeks ago and they were pathetic and I haven't gone back since then. They're complaining about playing time in intramural basketball. It's like you guys are the ones who asked to have a coach here. Like you want me to come and not coach? Like take your seat on the bench. But Hutch loves intramurals. We actually had a problem at the start of the year. Like there is an intramural hockey league and normally guys don't play, but the rookies just wanted so they just wanted as much ice time as they could get and they were playing in intramurals we had to like tell them like hey like listen i heard rumors that like you're going balls to the wall in intramurals but like i see you're not going all the way to line in the bag skate like come on pick your side here boys so we, we had to have that talk with them at the start of the year but i think we got some intramural wiffle ball coming up down the road so huge huge time of the year for intramural and want to give a shout out to the, the cock hockey intramural softball team i think they've been killing it lately uh love love when the hockey boys get together and play a different sport fits it i think i know the answer to yours but if you weren't playing hockey what would you be doing right now Yes, yeah, this is an easy one. It'd be baseball. Senior year of high school, I kind of had to decide between going and playing D3 baseball or going to just a really good academically sound school and then playing Acha on the side. So I went that route. But yeah, maybe uh, things would have been different. Played D3 and then I'd be uh, just washed up and I don't know where I'd be. I wouldn't be making podcasts. Never would have met you guys. So I don't I don't even like to think about this question. What position were you playing? I, I was I was I threw lefties, so all I had was first base, and I wasn't tall enough for that, so I was left with the outfield because I I wasn't good at pitching, so I just played like mostly center. And your brother plays like all over the place, right? Like he's yeah. I saw yeah. his TikTok about all the gloves he has. Like he's he's like Brock Holt. He's ready to play anything. He's got a lot more hair than Brock Holt has, though. <laughs> he, he's he's always been a shortstop his whole life, but now like getting to this level you got to be able to just go wherever to get on the field so he never really played the outfield when COVID hit I took him and we'd go to the field each day and I'd hit him fly balls at just like the local high school field and I pretty much I taught him how to play outfield not a big deal you know <laughs> as a guy training for the pros like how much of an impact does like shag and fly balls have like like are you hitting line drives you you making them chase these down like what is, what is that like Absolutely. He's got this like, um, it's like a wooden, you can call it a fungo, I guess, but you can really just like rip them high in the sky. I had him take, you know, fly balls in left, center, right. He loved the ones that I would put like when he'd be in center, I'd put them over his, his head. It'd be like right by the wall, not like rob the wall, but you'd have to like, you know, bust it to try and catch it. And uh, he actually ended up making like a catch last season, which was we practiced it like all the time uh, over his left shoulder. So he got up and he was all hyped and I can take credit for that, I guess. <laughs> I guess I've, I've talked about it a little bit, but like my family has a wiffle ball field in their backyard that we, we toss up the fence and do a big tournament in the summer. But I guess part of the construction when they renovated my house about almost 15 years ago now, I think maybe 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 closer to 12. But they like rearranged that they found these like big rock boulders in the ground and then they rearranged them into like kind of a fence, kind of a wall. But my siblings and I we used to take the wiffle ball and you'd play catch, but you would like intentionally throw it like over their head so they could make like a sick catch over the wall so that's what i pictured the the fitz brothers just at the high school field just shagging fly balls sometimes i had to grab the mitt and show them how it's done and get some <laughs> some dives in there one other uh off-season activity that i love playing with the the iu boys when our season would end is spike ball massive shout out to the the iu boys we, we'd get tournaments going and stuff it, it was a blast i love spike ball all right now are you playing gentleman rules spike ball or are you playing like hardo spike ball we're, we're playing gentlemen's rules yeah we're we're not we're not going crazy 
I think I mentioned it one time. My, I guess this goes into what my answer will be, but my lacrosse coach at Bridgeton, same thing as like college. Like when it gets warm out, like everyone's going to the grassy areas and they're playing spike ball, frisbee, whatever. We take our spike ball and then up to the turf. And he's like, oh, you guys playing spike ball? Like, you mind if I jump in? And we're like, yeah, sure. He meets us at the field like 10 minutes later. He's wearing leggings, sleeves. When I say hardo serve, it's like the kind of stuff you see on like ESPN2. Like they're standing 10 feet back and they're wailing the ball. You can't even return the serve. And it just was like the least amount of fun I've ever had playing spike ball in my life. Nothing against the people who play that way, but like I think the gentleman's game is way more enjoyable and just way more way more fun because it's it like kind of puts everyone on a level playing field. But I always have to ask people when they're really into spike ball. It's like are you gentleman's kind of guy or are you you know arm sleeve and headband kind of guy. We had, we had a few of those guys that would get like they get mad at me so like I strung the net the wrong way. It's like I just put it together. Let's play. Like come on. <laughs> Herm, what I guess lead off first. If if it weren't for hockey, what sport do you could you see yourself being involved with? Probably baseball or softball. I think just because of how much I was around it growing up. Before I was a massive Ranger fan, I was an even bigger Red Sox fan. And that took a back seat when Alex got more involved with hockey and my dad started running a pro shop. And I was like, okay, guess I got to talk shop now and, and be a part of this. And my priority shifted from like Rangers being number two to number one. Easily could have been Ohio baseball or Ohio softball just because of how much I was around it with my grandfather. Pulling up now, are we talking Bob Wren Stadium? Am I saying that right? I mean, it looks gorgeous. You are saying that right. It just it, it's a damn shame that it doesn't get the uh, the attendance that they deserve sometimes. I mean, this is it looks like everything you would ask for in a, in a college ballpark. Not not too much seating, but you know, perfect seating behind the the home dish. And baseball is is great. I I think I think I've told this before, but like I was a baseball player until fifth grade until my parents told me like, hey, we're going on vacation that week that like the baseball regional tournament is like you're not going to be able to play on the travel team this year. Like you can still do baseball, but we want you to pick up lacrosse. And for two years at that point, my younger brother had been playing lacrosse and I would go to the games and everyone be like, oh, you got to play. You got to play. And I was like, I'm never playing lacrosse like that is the silliest sport ever. I'm going to stick with baseball fourth grade year. Like on that travel baseball team, I was like riding the pine. Like I was the best at chewing sunflower seeds. I probably chewed more pieces of bubble gum than anybody else on that bench that summer, but I was a bench player. It was kind of like everything happens for a reason. I picked up lacrosse. I think I scored a goal in my first game and, and fell in love with it then. And it was always, it was really nice coming down from hockey season because at least in my high school, like hockey was like the big sport. Like we were going to the final four every year lacrosse we were lucky if we got four wins all year but it was like a sport that i really enjoyed and i got a lot of playing time in so i, I really liked it uh one of my best friends growing up connor do he plays at southern new hampshire i'll give him a quick plug there but i think that's the sport i would play in college uh i went one of the reasons i went to bridgeton academy was because i could play hockey and lacrosse there i kind of knew i didn't want to go the junior route after that so i was like well if i'm not going to make it for hockey i'll at least get scouted for lacrosse and one of my favorite memories is that at bridgeton i had played like by Thanksgiving break, I think we had played at least 12 games and I had not talked to any coaches, any hockey coaches at that point yet. But the lacrosse team was playing in a showcase before Thanksgiving break. And so I went and played three games for the lacrosse team and I got eight emails from lacrosse coaches after that one weekend. And that was when I learned, you know, it would have been a heck of a lot easier to go play college lacrosse somewhere than, than college hockey. It makes me think we were talking about it before the show, but there's that guy on TikTok right now. He's making D3 lacrosse TikToks about how washed up he is. And he's a great personality. I had to give him the fall, but I think that's where I would be in life right now if I had chosen lacrosse over hockey. But I think it's always, it's always fun to think about. For the kids listening at home, always good to be a two-sport athlete. Three sports, pick them up. 
I mean, Wayne Gretzky, I think was like a 13 sport athlete back in the day and he went on to do decent things. So that was good. Also, I guess we didn't touch on it, but anyone here like a fan of the masters, like I'm not a big golf guy. I think we talked about that a couple shows ago, but I enjoy watching the masters. That's just great to throw on the TV and just, you know, it's like, it's like background noise. And every once in a while you get to, to watch some good action. It was, I mean, the hype around tiger was, was unreal, but I didn't know if anyone else wanted to chime in with their masters thoughts. We're big tiger fans in the Herman household. So that was, that was a whole exciting event. Alex, is really starting to get into it too and my dad really really enjoys watching golf i'm like eh, on it it is it is the biggest sleep aid probably in our house when it gets turned on on a sunday morning for us though like dad'll turn it on and boom he's out on the couch 10 minutes later it is it is a miracle to watch I mean, I'm a sucker for it. Like, I, I know, like, there's talk. Like, oh, they dye the water, they paint the grass, the bird noises are fake, all that. But I'm, I don't know. I'm like, just leave, don't tell me that. I'll watch it anyways. I love the aesthetic of it. Like the no phones rule. I think that is great. I think they should install that at more sports venues. I always used to say, like, if you watch like NHL highlights from the pre-cell phone days, when they when a goal is scored, like those buildings are erupting. It's because everyone's got eyes on the play. Fitz, I'll let you chime in with your thoughts on the Masters. Not a big golf watcher, whatever you want to call it. When we we played Danbury this past weekend, we had a Sunday night game at seven. So like the Masters is wrapping up right when our our, uh, our game's about to start. So they had the, the Masters on the Jumbotron at Danbury as we're warming up. So we're, we're just going around and everyone's just pretty much watching the Masters instead of warming up for the game. It was it was absolutely crazy. I couldn't believe it. That's so sick. Have you seen the Danbury Trashers documentary? I have not, but I've heard a lot about it. Uh I cannot believe you've played in Danbury and you've never seen the Danbury Trashers documentary. This is gonna be a shocker to a lot of people. I don't I don't even have Netflix. I don't have Netflix. I don't have Hulu. I don't have like anything. All I have is Prime Video because I have Amazon Prime. That's about it. All right. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna videotape myself watching the Danbury Trashers documentary. And the next time when you're busting the Danbury for the playoffs, this is you're gonna you're gonna wanna murder somebody in the playoff game after watching this documentary. Okay. i'm usually a lovable person murph i don't know if i'm gonna want to kill someone (laughs) listen i'm and and i'm the same way on the ice like i literally i couldn't hurt a fly out on the ice but i watched the danbury trashers documentary and i was like wow i think i said this too on the pod like it's one of my favorite hockey documentaries it was like a documentary going in i thought it was gonna be a lot about crime and there was a lot more hockey in it than i ever thought there was gonna be you definitely gotta borrow like a teammate's netflix account before the playoffs and watch that yeah we'll have like a a team get together since i don't have netflix and they'll they'll help me out we'll all watch it for a night of movie night your brother's gotta have a netflix account right like he spends so much time on the road he's gotten it before but like didn't renew it after a year so like some he's like on and off sometimes he's in sometimes he's out yeah gotcha well on, on that note any other thoughts glick anything heading into the weekend we should be on the lookout for no, not really. I'll be honest. I forgot the Masters even exists. I'm not a big golf guy, although I am planning on taking golf one in the spring of 2023 to uh, round out my collegiate experience. There we go. That's also a big thing. Like, is the team group chat lighting up with like guys being like, what elective should I take? Like, like, cause that's what the Q's group chat is right now. It's like, everyone's like, all right, text the easiest classes in the group chat. That week when everyone's picking classes, all the underclass were like, what's the best, um, you know, global society, Jenna? What's the best American society, Jenna? What's the best? 
race and diversity gen ed and that like all the upper class just like yeah just take these classes take this professor you'll show up three times all year and you'll get an a i think i just i found our new piece of content herm next time we record we'll put on the story like what acha classes should they offer it'll be like intro to long bus rides like chirping 101 budget and player dues 207 and uh we'll, we'll get the best results but uh we are going to take a little a two two week hiatus here uh we're going to enjoy the off season a bit now that we've officially wrapped up uh this podcast will kind of conclude it we'll take a two week break glick and i will focus on getting ready for finals uh fitzy will we'll wrap up the fed season herm's hitting the reset button so all is good in the hockey house here once again thank you to everyone for listening and uh we'll see you in a couple weeks see you boys